Do you like sharing memes? Every time I feel like an old lady, I'm like, this is the funniest thing ever. And everyone's like, yeah, this is like a year old. I like the original memes, like the fat seal. That's a meme, right? Ken Bone was my favorite meme for a while. I send like animal photos. They might be like reality show people. A lot of it is like RuPaul's Drag Race. One of my greatest fears is that there's a photo of me that becomes a meme and I'm unaware of it. I think there's a website, right? Like, know your meme, yeah. It's like everybody can just come together and like either make fun of something. Like, I like the bonding. Hello, and welcome to Why'd You Push That Button, a show where Caitlin Tiffany hey. and me, Ashley Carmen, talk about all the little decisions technology forces us to make. We're back. This is crazy. It doesn't feel that we got much of a rest. No. <laughs> um, simultaneously, winter has felt so long, and also I feel like we were just here. Yeah, exactly. Having this microphone in front of my face is strange. I don't, I don't know. I'm Ashley nervous. Super nervous because it's season two, mm-hmm. right? So no more excuses. Yeah, this is our professional season. Yeah, they gave us, you know, lots of lots of perks now. <laughs> perks. We can book the studio. Yeah. When we want. That's exciting. Uh, they a gave few us a people mouse pad. know the name of our show now in yeah. the company. A few. Once in a while, we get a nice tweet. Yep. Man, the expectations are so high. Anyway, here we are. What are we talking about today? So today we're talking about memes, particularly why you shared a specific meme. So, Caitlin, do you use memes? You're an internet culture reporter. You wrote this whole memes piece recently. (laughs) I've written a lot of memes pieces. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't. The thing is, I'm, like, very curious about memes. I like to look at them. Love, I follow a ton of meme accounts on Instagram. Love Tumblr memes. My job is to write about them. Like an academic interest in them. I think they're fascinating. I think the way they spread information is very interesting. However, I don't like to use them. They pop up in a group chat and I'm like, use your words. I don't know. I just like, I, I also just like, I'm daunted by the prospect of doing them wrong and like not being funny. I do think <laughs> you have to be a specific type of person who like thinks in that way. Yeah. It's a certain mindset. It's a complicated joke structure. Yeah, you know, exactly. and me, I'm just a simple girl. Do you have a favorite meme? I don't know. I really, um, hmm, let me think. I'll be honest, and this is the lamest answer you can have, probably. Yeah, is the one of Steve Buscemi with the like fellow kids thing. Shut up! I'm Ashley. sorry. You know I that I hate that meme. I, I didn't know that. You brought that up. I as didn't a troll. know that. I didn't. I know wrote that. an entire article on TheVerge.com being like, Please "How many stop years ago? How many years ago? Six months ago." Being like, stop Has using your this meme. Changed? No, it's like, stop using this. It's not funny. I think it's funny when when applied appropriately. No, you're I think wrong it about can be done. One. I think it can be overdone, but when done properly, it works for me. Okay, girl. Oh, I loved the tag yourself meme. Those were so funny on Tumblr. Those were great. But I also, um, one thing I'm wary of is that like, it's hard to know where memes come from. Just like if you're using things in good fun, mm-hmm. it's like distinctly possible that it started out as something heinous. Like I just interviewed one of the editors of Know Your Meme and he was talking about, you know, that meme that's like a car driving down the highway mm-hmm. and it's like veering onto an off ramp. Yeah. Very relatable meme. Like the main, the highway sign is just like doing my homework, being responsible. And then the off ramp is like, getting wasted or whatever like it's just like (laughs) really dumb like people put whatever and they're like I don't even think it's that funny but uh, it's everywhere it's like your whole like I've seen it on Twitter like probably five times today and it originated as like some in like some white nationalist forum it's like an anti-immigration joke seriously yeah you so you never know you never know where you're whose joke you're spreading well 
That is a great segue into our conversation today about memes and ownership. So obviously we know the answer to why do you share this meme Usually it's like, I thought it was funny. Relatable. Um, yeah. Cute. I was cyberbullying someone. Like one of those is usually the answer. <laughs> but we're going to talk about the little consequences maybe you didn't think about. Like whose face is in the meme? Whose pet birds are in the meme? Whether the meme image is owned by National Geographic, who will sue you through Getty Images? Right. Etc. Basically, we're trying to remind you all that there's someone on the other end of that meme. It's not just a picture on the internet or GIF. There's a human or animal behind the meme. We are not trying to sound like the 6 o'clock news. It's just happening. (laughs) We are going to scare you into thinking about this. Okay, wow. Yeah, so what's our game plan? What's first? All right, so I talked to my dear friend, Sarah Reynas. I have the habit of sending funny photos that I see around Twitter to my camera roll and then either posting them on my Instagram stories or sending to my friends or tweeting eventually as well. About her meme adventure, which was she tweeted a photo of three birds. One of them's freaking out, one of them's very stoic, and one of them is burrowed into a hand. And I felt like these represented the three different alter egos. So I tweeted it with the caption, me on the weekend, me at work, and me calling my mom. And it struck a chord, went viral, <laughs> had tens of thousands of tweets. Sarah, who I don't even think she's like verified or anything, she's just a regular user of Twitter, was shocked to have all of these people retweeting her. She got Grubhub, gave for a free coupon. I was already ready to be insufferable and promote myself. I was I was riding the wave. And then out of nowhere, I got a response to my tweet and the avatar of the tweet was this very angry looking bird, but like an actual close-up picture of a bird, similar to the birds in the photo. And then it said in the tweet, something like, this image is mine, reproduction is forbidden, delete immediately. All these different bird accounts are tweeting at her, which is (laughs) ironic, I know. And Sarah is very nice, I can attest, she's so sweet. Mm -hmm. She felt really guilty because she's like, I tried to explain that everyone loved it because it was about moms, very wholesome. I was like, mm-hmm. my mom loves it. All these people love it. Mm-hmm. And they're sharing it with their Grubhub families. Grubhub loves it. Grubhub loves it. <laughs> and the bird responded and kept saying that it needed to be deleted, that they didn't care. And then they said, how would you feel if photos of your family were scattered arbitrarily? Oh, man. Yeah. Are and we sure this person wasn't, like, joking? I think it was real. The other the other thing to note is that the person doesn't speak English. We both were using Google Translate software to try to speak to each other because the bird or bird owner only spoke Japanese. I only speak English. So we were exchanging really clunky <laughs> conversations via Google Translate. That's a whole other level. Yeah, so after sucks. this, like vague threat of like what would you do if your family was posted on the internet she did try to go through all the legalese of twitter's privacy policy i was looking up fair use and ip and i I don't know it's hard to tell when it's okay to post those when it's not it seemed to me to maybe fit within twitter's ip like fair use rules because she was not profiting off it, but she was like, this is great for me and my image. Other than her free dinner from Grubhub. Other than the free dinner. But at a certain point, I just felt really bad that all these bird fans and the original owner of these birds was like very emotionally distraught that this tweet was going around. So 
I realized at a certain point that I could not convince myself <laughs> that it was okay, and I also didn't know what was going to happen to my family. So, <laughs> so I decided to delete the tweet, and as soon as I deleted it, I got a notification that I had a DM, and the very stern bird avatar sent one message, and it said, good luck comes to you. Did she happen to mention if she's, like, tried again to go viral, or she's just, like, over that leg? She always... I don't think she's purposely trying to go viral no but she like definitely tweets like funny stuff i don't think it's like this is this is the hit maker but still out there making content (laughs) anyway sarah's story reminds us that one people care about their images being used apparently even if it's just a bird's Two, no one really knows what to do when they reach out, these people behind the memes. Wow, yeah, Sarah's horror story did bring up lots of questions. Yeah, so to get the bird side, <laughs> which we couldn't actually <laughs> the do. The metaphorical because, bird side. Because they were birds. I talked to Drew Scanlon. When I'm introduced by other people, they tell this new person that I'm the blinking guy. Blinking guy meme? You know, it's like the guy's blinking. He's like a guy. Okay, I'm Googling. I'm Googling. Huh? Face, he's white. White guy blinking is another way you might have heard it described. Oh. <laughs> Drew used to work at a website called Giant Bomb, which is like a gaming website that did weekly live streams. They were very popular. Somebody on his team told like a very stupid joke. He's playing a farming simulator game called Starbound, and he says, "So I've been doing some farming with nice. my uh, with my hoe here, uh, which is barely it. even a joke." And so <laughs> my reaction was just. Well, it's, it's the reaction that has now become an animated GIF. Yes. You've seen this in your Twitter feed a hundred times a yes. day. Yes. Yeah. It's the guy blinking. Right. Right you oh, are. Okay. <laughs> anyway, his face became that became that meme like almost four years after the original live stream. So kind of out of nowhere. Because we were on the internet for so many hours a week, GIFs got made of us all the time. But for some reason, that one, I guess through the weird machinations of the internet, ascended to uh, some sort of critical mass. Sometimes there's just no explanation for why things take off on the internet. It's not like it's that fascinating of a GIF. You could probably make any number of GIFs of people blinking in more interesting ways. I don't know that I've ever come across the meme in the wild. It's always been people sending it to me. The GIF took off. He became this meme. He was everywhere. I'm sure you remember seeing it in tweets, BuzzFeed list whatever else, on your Tumblr dash if you're still derping around on there. It was a little scary at that point. I think because it's so out of your hands. It's my face, it's something I did, and now it's at a very large scale. So I I was a little scared, but also very, very thankful that it was a fairly innocuous thing. It's hard to to use it in a way that would offend anyone. So, so far, it's just been slightly weird brush with the internet's comedic sensibilities and nothing more than that. I do think it's worth mentioning that there can be a dark side to memes with, I think the best example is Pepe. Yeah, well I asked him if he was worried about becoming the next Pepe and he was like, I mean. Long pause. I, I I don't think I I don't think I do because it's it's out of my hands. So how people how people use it is not really up to me. I could conceive of someone blaming me for its usage in in some poor situation, but I wouldn't blame myself for that. So, well, for those of you who don't know the story of Pepe, I will spare you the full details. But essentially, it was a cartoon frog that made its premiere in a web comic. It was just a thing you saw on the internet for a while, and then relatively recently, neo Nazis took over Pepe as their symbol. Mm-hmm. 
And the owner of Pepe does not like this, that Pepe is now a neo-Nazi symbol, and he has actively tried to kill Pepe. He killed Pepe. He did In a comic. Pepe, Pepe yeah. is dead. Right. But Pepe still lives on. Yes, of course. It's a thing where the webcomic lived online and he lost control of what could happen to its likeness. Mm-hmm. So while Drew had this really peaceful, great, he has a great zen outlook on the meme world mm-hmm. and he's chill about it. Mm-hmm. It can go wrong. And this Pepe creator actually sought legal counsel and tried to take down Pepe with legal action against Reddit and some other neo-Nazi alt-right type sites. Yeah, specifically them. Specifically, like, he's obviously had no issue with Pepe being used all over the whole rest of the internet. Just, like... In these specific neo-Nazi circumstances, he's really not into it. Yeah. One of the places that he ordered to take down Pepe was the subreddit, The Donald, which is, like, mm-hmm. a complete cesspool. They had, like, a giant Pepe on the front page of their subreddit, and they had to take that down because of this legal action. So it worked a little bit. Worked a little bit, yeah. But it's definitely still out there, I'm and sure. It's kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah, like, exactly. But yeah, so to get like the expert side of this to kind of put all of our questions about this to rest, since we heard these stories, but we didn't really know exactly what everyone's options were. Right. Um, I still am a little unclear. Well, <laughs> we're going to talk to Tim Huang. Hey, um, my name is uh, Tim Huang. A copyright lawyer, as well as a former employee of Tumblr. I'm currently director of the uh, Ethics and Governance of AI Initiative at uh, Harvard and MIT. He also founded the first meme convention in 2008. RaffleCon, which was basically a conference that sought to bring together uh, everything that was kind of momentarily famous and meme-like on the internet. So he's really... RaffleCon. yeah. He's really exactly the type of person you would want to say Raffle. Raffle. All right, so we'll be back after this break with Tim. Stay tuned. Cool. Thanks so much for calling. To be honest with you, when we decided to do this episode, we had no idea how copyright plays into memes. It was kind of an idle question, like, does it? We don't even know. So um, if you could explain in which ways it does and in which ways it doesn't a little bit, that would be very useful to our audience and to us. You know, if you find an internet, a photo on the internet, can you just use it? Right. It's a big open question and has has been a big open question on the internet for some time. I think the, the place to start from this is, is actually from the basics, which is like, what is the internet and what it, does it do in culture? And I mean, I think one way of thinking about, you know, what social media is and, and what kind of internet culture is, uh, is that it's a huge, it's in some ways a huge photocopier, right? You can take an image, you can do something to it, you can share it out again. It's a pretty permissionless sort of culture, right? If you see cool content online, there's nothing stopping you from kind of taking it and and using it. And this has been, on one hand, I think one of the things that has made internet culture so sort of vibrant uh, and so active and and so good, I guess, at producing things that are just kind of like, uh, amazingly, you know, funny or certainly striking in the very least. And that's been the case on the internet for, for a long time, right? Um, it was old by the time that we were running RaffleCon in 2008. And we've seen another decade since that conference first got started. And I think on one hand, one way of thinking about all this is that the internet has kind of enabled this sort of amazing culture, right? Where it's possible for you to kind of take and iterate on something. Um, and, and that process happens really rapidly, right? I think one of the most interesting things about the internet is kind of how people can sort of build on one another and, and kind of 
constantly come up with sort of in-jokes within in-jokes within in-jokes until, you know, at a certain point, it's sort of like impossible to understand unless you've been sort of part of this sort of kind of rich sharing of, of sort of jokes and internal references. And, you know, the law has played a really interesting role in all of this. I, I think in some ways, copyright law was just sort of not ready for a lot of what the internet brought to the, to, to the table. You know, I think for sure we saw it initially in the case of things like music, um, but, but increasingly everything is sort of memified, which is one of the things that makes it really complicated. Now under copyright law, it's true. You do have sort of the legal rights to kind of challenge someone, certainly under the DMCA, you have the right to get that content taken down off of a platform if it, if it violates your, your copyright. And copyright is very broad from a legal perspective. Um, you know, the minute I create something, I have copyrights. I have rights over that content. Um, and so it, really anything I create, if it is taken by someone else without my permission and copied and shared, uh, I do sort of theoretically have the right under the law to get it taken down, to control it, to kind of protect and constrain that content. Now, the complicated thing is that like copyright has existed in limbo because at least under United States law, we have um, what's known as fair use, right? So this notion that, um, you know, that culture basically under the law, basically the idea is that like culture evolves because people can take culture and use it for their own purposes. And the doctrine of fair use basically says that under sort of a specific set of circumstances, you can take that content and use it as your own. And so those have always, those two things have always been kind of in tension with one another on the internet. So on one hand, people say, well, this is under my rights under the copyright system, and I should be able to take things down. On the other hand, it's a battle with, with sort of fair use, which can include things like, oh, well, I'm using this for the purposes of parody, or I'm changing it in such a way that lets me use it without you being able to control it. Um, and there's, there's, it's a really fuzzy area of law, which is one of the reasons why memes have proven so complicated, particularly as you think about how, you know, back in 2008, I think it was just like, oh yeah, lolcats are a thing. But now lots and lots of things are, are sort of meme-like in the way they're designed. So one case that I was reading about that I thought was super interesting was the socially awkward penguin, uh-huh. which was like considered property of, of National Geographic. Mm. And they had like Getty images basically like pursue it for them to get people to take it down, which is something that I guess makes sense to me, but it seems like would probably not work in the other direction. Like a big company making random people take down their memes, like a random person probably can't make a brand take down a reappropriation of their meme. I guess this is how the legal system always works. Yeah, I mean, you're pointing out like a totally true thing, which so, so far we've just been talking about like, what is the law, right? Like what's on the books? You know, there is a really strong argument for for fair use and particularly memes being, you know, what they call in the law, like sort of a transformative use, right? Something that uses this content in such a way that's like so different from the original um, that we basically don't think it's the same thing. Like art. Um, it's art, right? Like, like- totally, right. And so so there's there's lots of examples, and, and a lot of the lawsuits that have existed in the past uh, go to essentially this battle over like, oh, I, I took your image and I did something to it, and now it's my art, and so you can't you can't get paid for that, right? Or you can't control what I do with that. And that, that is a big issue in, in fair use. But one of the things that you're pointing out, right, is this really tangled relationship, uh, particularly as the internet has evolved, around who can actually get the benefit of the law. And so one piece that you're referring to, I think, is a really good one, right, which is, I think, back when we were running RaffleCon from 2008 to 2012, you know, the notion of, like, marketing agencies doing, you know, quote-unquote viral videos, that was still kind of a new thing that they're trying to figure out. But, but now companies really totally understand that 
look, if there's a meme, we can kind of build our own commercial version of that and ride that wave. And, and it's good for us for marketing purposes. And I think that introduces a really interesting question where, you know, I think in the early days of the web, we said fair use is awesome, right? Because it basically allows people to take work, reiterate it and turn it into something awesome and even take the work of corporations to do that. But now we actually see the reverse happening, right? Where you see sometimes you know, these things sort of content being kind of turned into something online organically, and then companies trying to ride on top of that. And then there's a really interesting question is like, oh, when, well, when that happens, do we feel differently about how, you know, you know, just this is or, or whether or not it is the kind of like, copyright ecosystem we want to live in. Our other guest for this episode, is, I don't know if you're familiar with like the meme that's just like the close up of like, it's called like the white guy blinking. Uh-huh. Yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> I mean, I think he's a pretty good sport about it. I don't think it really bothers him. But I guess I'm curious, like, if it had really bothered him, like, would he have been able to do, like, anything about it? Right, right. I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing about some of this stuff is that, like, copyright is weird because it tangles up, like, what's what's sometimes, like, personal with what's, like, commercial, right? Like, so sometimes in, in the fair use case, it's kind of like, ah, like, I had this piece of content and this meme is such a huge deal that, like, if I could license it and, like, you know, put t-shirts out, like I could make a billion dollars, right? And that's like a certain kind of use of copyright law to try to get stuff taken down. But I think there's also this other use, which is just kind of like, you know, for personal reasons, we're using copyright to take down content. Uh, and I, again, I, I think like this sort of fits in a not so perfect way with, with copyright law. I mean, one of the really interesting things that we've seen with copyright law in the last few years is, for example, that there's issues of like doxing online, right? Or, or harassment online, or people release like revenge porn online, right? And, you know, under American law, there's actually not a whole lot of great like privacy laws you can use to try to protect yourself against that. And in fact, a lot of people end up using copyright law because they say, you've, you've basically taken my personal content and like I should have an ability to like take that down or, or, or otherwise prevent its use. And so and a copyright's weird in that respect, right? It, that it, it isn't just about the money, but it's also about these sort of situations where people personally feel very strongly about like what happens to something they created. So do you feel like the legal system has a lot of catching up to do? Or do you feel like the laws are actually... Pretty good for handling meme issues. I still think that there's there's a fair amount of kind of catching up to do. I mean, I think that the the fair use structure is a really good one, uh, but it's clear that I think in some cases that we're sort of trying to struggle to see how this this framework really fits into to memes, and and it gets more and more complicated as like more and more content behaves like memes online, and and actually as like the entire sort of market of the internet and like the market around internet culture changes. I think we are in a, a very different world than we were 10 years ago where we could sort of say, hey, isn't it really cool that like, you know, people are kind of like just sort of like creating sort of culture on their own. And I think that's still important to protect. But like I was saying, I mean, I think suddenly now it's like parallel to, you know, big companies and like, you know, people using uh, sort of copyright for for ways that might suppress free speech and uh, and and also in, in, for uses of kind of protecting themselves. Right? In some ways, like a lot of stuff is all kind of tangled up in copyright now, which which maybe leaves it less of a good tool in doing any one given thing. So do you have some tips for our listeners who maybe are like, holy shit, I posted a picture of blinking white guy and uh -huh. now I'm yeah. going to get a takedown notice and oh no. <laughs> and also like Sarah, she genuinely didn't know what to do. Like she was like, do I have to take this down? Like I just, she like really didn't know what to do. You don't have to necessarily give free legal advice, but maybe could you give some free legal advice? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, I, I would hesitate because it's even even lawyers are frustrated by this, right? Like, 
the 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 stuff that lawyers and legal scholars have written about fair use often is basically like this is a really confusing doctrine that really doesn't seem to make any sense and so like again talking about like the challenges of whether or not the legal system can sort of keep up we sort of exist in kind of this weird netherworld around copyright online and particularly copyright around memes right because like what even what even is a meme right and like at what point do we feel like um okay you know, I feel pretty safe in using this content. Like, it's very difficult to tell. I, I think in one one way, I mean, you can think about this, is that, like, some of the ways that the internet has been set up makes it really difficult to, to know at any given time, right? Because it's really difficult to tell where content comes from um, and and who owns it and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's a real question. I mean, I think there's a really strong argument that, you know, we want people to be able to use this content uh, and and kind of make it their own, right? It's one of the things that's like most exciting about the internet. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I like the tip I have to say is like it's really complicated. <laughs> I don't think that's really helpful though. <laughs> um, something that's wild that I didn't know until we were talking about this podcast is that Know Your Meme has a whole section of their website that's just like a log of things they had to take down because mm -hmm. of copyright that's crazy like it's influencing more or less like definitive history of internet culture had to take mm -hmm. down like something like 40 entries that's wild to me yeah i think that's right and and uh, i think that like there is again this is like a little bit about why like copyright is so confusing because it protects so many different interests in some sense right like you're sort of like okay there's a real important need to kind of like preserve the history of web culture like i i, I totally believe that in a really serious way um but you know particularly under the the dmca the digital millennium copyright act which kind of governs how like a lot of platforms like google or youtube or whatever um, deal with copyright, the default is to take things down, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, this has certainly been abused in a bunch of cases where basically people are like, well, I basically want to suppress information and we're going to use copyright as a tool to do that. And yeah, I think it's, it's again, another really complicated situation. Yeah, uh, man, this has really opened up a whole can of worms in my brain. Like, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking about like, I, like people's definition of what a meme is sometimes is literally just like a caption contest. They're just like, I yeah, took this right. photo we and I wrote something about that under too, it. Because it's, it's really hard to define. Because yeah, to me, it's just like a Literally, I think of a meme as just a picture on the internet that you put a funny caption with. Like, mm -hmm. Lots right. of types of meme. memes are art, I think. But like, is that art? And, and some people would say it is, right? Because sometimes those captions are amazing and like totally re like recontextualize what it is. But uh -huh. yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like, w yeah, what is a meme? And, and also, I think there's a real question on like, so one of the one of the big important questions is like, you know, clearly it's a nonprofit use, but the question is like, do memes affect the the market for the original image? I don't know, maybe not, right? Like, I mean, like no one's selling less pictures of a, a cat photo because someone, you know, added a caption to it or something like that. And so again, I think there's a lot of really interesting kind of edge cases to argue here. I think it's one of the reasons why lawyers like it so much. So. And wasn't this sort of like, the biggest, I don't remember if this was last year or a couple of years ago, but when like there was all this talk about like fat Jewish and fuck Jerry, like basically the meme providers getting upset at these content curators for posting <laughs> That's memes. That's such a generous term. <laughs> I don't know how to <laughs> For people who rip memes and yeah, put them like, on Instagram. Wasn't that part of that whole debate too was like the credit. Like they weren't giving credit and then they gave credit and then it was all kind of worked out through credit. Like just giving credit seemed to resolve some issues. Totally, right. And again, I think we're talking about this distinction again between like what is like formally expected under the law. Like if we went to court and fought about it, what would we argue about versus kind of this like weird universe that we live on in the internet, which is kind of in its own like internet netherworld in some sense, right? Because there's a lot of practicalities about like 
suing, like finding someone, suing them, you know, fighting out the fair use case that like in practice, it doesn't happen all that much. And so I think I agree with you. One of the really interesting things that we've seen is that there's these certain norms that have evolved online that basically help people navigate or, or maybe kind of help to determine when things are okay or not okay. Um, but those aren't like written down, right? They're like totally informal rules that govern like whether or not someone will bring in the law to go fight this, right? And, and credit, I think, is a really powerful way of thinking about some of this stuff where, you know, particularly for these cases where someone, you know, just wants to be identified with a cool thing they did. Sometimes credit is all you need, right? Just to say that, hey, this is the person uh, that invented this thing, or here's the person who took that image. Um, but, but part of what makes it complicated is that like the expectations on different parts of the internet are different and it's really difficult to tell from, you know, a photo of a penguin, you know, whether or not the creator of that penguin would be real pissed if you, you, you know, made a, made a caption on it or something. So. I just keep thinking about Pepe because he's been so, the creator's been so vocal about that because sure. obviously Pepe has now turned into this yeah. terrible monster. And yeah, I'm right, sure at first right. he was maybe happy it was a meme and then once the nazis got hold he was like oh god now he has to start doing well at first he was like when when he the nazis first took over pepe he he was resigned to it he was like it'll come back around and then it like got to a point where he was like never mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah no absolutely uh and i think you know so this is the original idea behind the project that was much more around the web maybe about a decade ago uh creative commons right which is the idea of like could people just signal when they were okay with someone using their stuff? But really that hasn't kind of taken hold in a really big way. And so again, we're still, we're still sort of in this limbo and there's so many edge cases too, right? Cause like, you know, it'd be sort of weird to basically like you go to a comic in the future and you're like, here is a long list of things that I think are okay versus not okay using my content for. And I think we may see more of that in the future as kind of people try to navigate this really complicated thing. So like imagine the Pepe creator, like, at what point do we want him to be able to use his copyright? At what point do we want people to him to like not be able to use his copyright? It depends very much on like, I guess, who's using it, how he feels about it. You know, is he does he think about Pepe as like something that's going to be like a brand for his business? Or is it going to be like, or is just kind of like he doesn't want to be associated with it uh, and it being associated with Nazis for that matter. And so, but yeah, I think part of the problem we hear is that we actually don't have a great way of like signaling what people expect when you when you use their content. So would the only way that the law would change just to have some of these cases go to a, like a big court trial? Is that how that would happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so there's even before you go to trial, though, if you're going to bring the lawyers in on this, there's a lot of kind of going back and forth and sort of being like, well, we could argue this. Well, we could argue that. And so I think there's a lot of posturing on the way to a court case. But it, it is, and I think it's a right critique of the copyright system, is that it, it tends to favor people like other parts of the legal system that have money to spend on these sorts of fights. And so that makes it particularly complicated in, in the case that we were talking about a little earlier, right, which is like um, a small creator gets their stuff kind of ganked by a much bigger company. Um, and that feels like a situation we really want like copyright to apply, but it becomes really difficult just in the practicalities of sort of enforcing that copyright. Awesome. Well, was there anything else we didn't talk about that you wanted to know or that you think is worth pointing out? No, this is great. I mean, I hope, uh, I don't know if this is helpful to you. It's just sort of like, this is, again, it's like pretty, it gets pretty complicated pretty quickly. So I don't know if I'm coming off with like any particular clear message for for the listeners at home. But I mean, it just sounds like there really isn't, uh, there's not a clear answer. So I think there's, you know, (laughs) That's yeah, as clear think, as it can think, be is that there's no clear answer. I think like it's, it's fair to <laughs> well, 
end the episode by like throwing our listeners into emotional distress. I don't think we are mm. always trying to clear things up for them. <laughs> Sometimes we want to make it worse. So. Well, you've got that. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's uh, hopefully as helpful as I can be. I think. <laughs> We're back. We're back with more questions than answers. Just kidding. Tim was super helpful. Tim was super helpful. What we learned is that technically, if you or something that you own becomes a meme against your will, there is legal recourse for you. Like theoretically. Like it exists. Yeah. But it's very complicated. It's complicated and Tim didn't seem thrilled about what's available to these people. Right. Yes. Because first of all, you are going to need some money, which is the case with Essentially, any legal situation, it's like, yeah, you can sue, but you need to have some money. Like, Grumpy Cat has money. Right. National Geographic has money. Has money. Yeah. And also, since memes are in kind of this weird space between just, like, a joke or, like, a piece of art, it's, like, there's a lot of wiggle room for arguing, like, I transformed this meaningfully into something else. Or, like, this is my art. This like, does a ca- does a caption really change context, too? Right, which then opened up a whole nother can of worms, right. which is what even is a meme? Mm-hmm. I do think that is an interesting question. We don't have to litigate it right now. I think lots of people have opinions on on what a meme is. It has to be something that can be like iterated endlessly. Yeah, with different. Like, I just think of popular image on internet, which I think is not technically what it means. But I know why you. Yeah, like I understand what you're saying. I think of that too. I probably yeah. use the word meme way more often than is actually correct. Just right. Because it's totally. easier than being like, this joke format that people are using on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Whatever. End of the day, what we've learned is just, when you share something on the internet, you should think about it before you do it. Mm-hmm. And know, as I keep saying, there's someone behind that meme. They could come for you. <laughs> I think the most interesting thing about Tim's argument was that like, he was kind of talking about how originally like all of the fair use stuff of the internet was great because it was really protecting the underdog. It was like protecting people who just want to make funny, cool stuff. And now it's kind of protecting brands who yeah. are just like ruthlessly stealing internet culture from the people who make it, which is alarming and sad. And why it's Tumblr is dying. It <laughs> it's always how it goes. Yeah. You know, I was going to say that it's too bad that the season premiere is ending in such a place of despair, but I think it's like right on right on. I was almost going to say we're not despair enough. Not despair enough? We need more despair. I don't want to go there today. Okay. I can't do it today. All right. I'll we'll leave you guys with this. This is, as, this is as far down as I'm willing to go before I think I might not be able to come back up. <laughs> Dark. It's a Friday. <laughs> Sit there. We got there. We got there. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of the first episode. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. I'm trying to remember what we usually say here. We have an email still, button at theverge.com. Mm-hmm. Feel free to email us. And if you work in any of these companies that we ever talk about, you should reach out to us, too, because we'd love to hear your thoughts. Even if it's you know not on the podcast, just let us know. We're always interested. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Feel free to go rogue. Go rogue. We encourage it. Um. <laughs> Subvert your boss. Okay, well... And follow Ashley on Twitter, at <laughs> Ashley R. Carmen. Follow Caitlin on Twitter, at K-A-I-T underscore Tiffany. Oh, man, I'm so happy you remembered what I it know, was. I know, I know. Also, we are going to be at South by Southwest. I'm going to assume quite a few of you are probably going. So come find us. We're around. We would love to meet you. We're also definitely afraid no one's going to show up to our live podcast taping. So if you have some free time, you know, 
why not Popeye? I think we should call up all the influencers that we've interviewed and see what they can pull off for us. They're like, oh, you, a- you again. Yeah. Call out a favor. <laughs> Got to get my best, my best Instagram influencers on this one. Well, okay. We can do that. We'll call up Grumpy Cat. <laughs> We'll yeah, my close personal friend Grumpy Cat is going <laughs> to help me fill seats at my podcast taping. That's a sentence for you. All right. Goodbye. I just wanted to share this picture of freaking birds. Like, it's birds. I'm sorry. Like, a bird looks like a bird. I don't see a bird and I think, like, that's your bird.